0: going to take my time, I told, and I'm going, not going to go over time, I, but um, I want to take my time because if I don't get through with it, I'd rather say take my time and say something good and meaningful than to hurry up and try to cram a lot of stuff in. So on, on Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, we were privileged to speak for a few moments, and I spoke on this same subject, and I want to continue tonight in a little more depth I don't know how far I'll get with it. And then, um, so I, at the first, you're going to hear some of the same things you heard for about five minutes. But that's all right. It's like um, cornbread and, and pinto beans. They're always better on the second day. Amen. Now, if you're not from the country, you wouldn't know what that is. So. But I want to talk to you tonight about the significance of, the significance of a name and the significance of our name. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 22, there's a verse that reads on this wise. A good name is more desirable than great wealth, even gold and silver. A good name is more desirable than great wealth and even gold and silver. So there's something important about a name. I, on that Sunday morning, I'm going to use the same illustration. When you see the golden arches, we all think about the best French fries in the world, and that's McDonald's. They have the best French fries. Now, there other stuff may not be, but in my opinion, they still have the best French fries. And when you see Kentucky, when you see Colonel Sanders' picture, you think about the best fried chicken in the world. Kentucky Fried Chicken when we were in Guyana one of the best places we ate uh, Brother Tom was at Kentucky Fried Chicken wasn't it? Amen so Kentucky Fried Chicken when you see a cruise ship you think of a name you usually think of Norwegian and most of the time it comes to Carnival because that's the most well known name and when we see all the ears of a Mickey Mouse we all think of what? Is the world, Amen. So name recognition is very important. In fact, it's valuable. If you don't think it's valuable, you go out here and put some golden arches up and put McDonald's on it and see how long it lasts. Because i will have you take it down and get, you'll be in a lawsuit. It has value, has worth. Even in your genealogy, uh, the value of where you came from. A lot of people today traced our ancestors back. Have any of you ever done that? Anyone out there ever done that? We have. Yeah, just me and my son, I guess. Well, we traced ours back, and uh, tell you the value of the name, I think it's my fourth great-grandfather back. I'm not going to tell you all the other stuff, because, man, when you start doing that, you drag out all kinds of things. But my fourth great, my great-great-great-grandfather was from Ireland, and his name was McGinnis. And he is the man who invented Guinness beer. My great, 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 great grandfather invented, made Guinness beer. McGinnis. That's who it was. And so it's viable. When you go to cash a check, it's not worth anything if it doesn't have your name on it. But if it has your name on it and you don't put your signature on it, it still don't have any value until you cash it with their name. And your driver's license, you have to have driver's license. And when the policeman pulls you over, if you give him somebody else's driver's license, that's not going to go over too well. I am reminded of a little story. That's true. When I was a band member, I didn't have driver's license. I didn't have to drive. So this guy was driving me, and he had I had blonde hair at that time, And he had dark black hair, and uh, and I'm driving at nighttime because he wasn't fit to be driving, if you get the message. And about that time, a state highway patrolman pulled up behind us and pulled us over. I thought, I'm going to jail. I I, I just knew it. I'm going to jail. He reached me his driver's license, and I thought, this is not going to go very well. But I gave him to the state trooper, and guess what? He looked at him, got out and looked at his car, looked at his car because I had slid back on the ice and bumped into the state trooper's bumper, and he took a light, and he looked at every little scratch on it to see if it was okay. And he came back and said, thank you. Y'all be careful. And he came back and said, oh, dear Lord, that's the closest I ever come to going to jail. And we took off. When we got outside of town, I pulled over and I said, you're, you're driving. Regardless, I'm not up driving again. That was it. So driver's license is important. Y'all agree with that? Man. So when you get into the Old Testament and and the Lord gave Adam a name, in fact, if you look in the Bible, in, in the book of Genesis, I'm not going to go into all this, but you'll find that the name of Adam and Eve was at the beginning. He says both of their name was Adam. And then eventually he called her Eve because she was the mother of all living. So he gave them a name, and that was important. Abraham had a name. His name was meant many, because he said, I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven. When you go out to look at nighttime, and you see all the expansion of the stars in the heavens in the galaxy, that's how I'm going to bless your seed. So it meant many. His son Isaac meant he will laugh. That's what Isaac means, he will laugh. That's because his mother Sarah laughed when the angels told her that she was going to have a baby. And Jacob, his name is Surplanter. In other words, he's a deceiver. He's one that takes something that doesn't belong to him. That's what he is. But I want to talk about Jacob for just a moment tonight. Jacob got in a wrestling match one time, and as he began to wrestle, you could say it was an angel. The Bible said it was the angel of the Lord. And I simply think that he was, we God. go there, but anyhow, he's, he's, he's wrestling with angel the Lord. And he wrestles all night long, and he gets a hold of the angel of the Lord, and he says to him, he said, I will not let you go until you tell me your name and you bless me. And the angel of the Lord looked at him and said, Why do you want to know my name? Folk, I want you to know the reason that that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the reason they wanted to know the name of the Lord Because it was very important to them because they never knew what his name was. Moses, at the burning bush, when the Lord spoke to him, Moses asked him, Who do I say sent me? And the Lord said to him, Just say, I am that I am. I have always been. I am today. I'm always going to be. There's been no one before me. There'll be no one after no God after me. I'm all in all, I am God. Just say, I am sent me. So they wanted to know what is the name of God? What is the name of this God? Isaiah penned a writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He wrote, for unto us a son is born, a child is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. In his name he shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, he began to write some more, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But as he wrote there, he still never came up with a name. The prophets all wanted to know what is God's name. The Jews from the beginning wanted to know when they asked, Who who shall I say sent me? What is the name? And he said, just tell them I am since you. But then when you look at what the Jewish people believed about God, they simply, and I said this on Sunday morning, so just bear with me for a moment, they simply used consonants. They they didn't put any vowels to it to make it into a word. They simply used the vowel or the consonant Y H W. H because they did not want to breathe his name. So they would just say, you, you know, what we call Yahweh. That's who it was that they wanted. And they never used a syllable, no vowels, no syllables with his name, no vowels to, to form a syllable of his name. We are never able to do that. They called him Elohim, which means the Creator. They called him Ananiah, God in charge. If I don't say these correctly, it's okay. know, yeah, I'm from West Virginia. I've got my own accent. El Elom, sacred. El O'Hem, everlasting. El Rio, God who is, God who sings. El Shaddai, God Almighty. They had all these names for him, but none of them could ever figure out what is the name that we're looking for. Then come on the scene in the New Testament, when Gabriel came to Mary, the virgin, and the Holy Ghost overshadowed her. The angel said to her, you're going to have a baby. And you are going to call his name Jesus, or Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Do you realize that when he when Gabriel spoke that name and told her his name's going to be called Jesus, that over three hundred prophecies of the Old Testament was fulfilled at that very moment because they never knew what his name was going to be. It was fulfilled when Gabriel revealed his name. They knew him as Messiah. They knew him as Emmanuel, God with us, but they never knew him as the name of Jesus who would come and save his people from their sins. What an amazing thing that was. There's God in a going to be in a fleshly body. The attributes of God. The only way you're ever going to see God, for God is in what? What is God? No, huh? He's a spirit. So what the Bible says? God is a spirit. And the only way you ever see God is in the face of Jesus Christ for He is the express image of God. The attributes of God are in Him. That's why He came in a fleshly body. He's the Messiah. Jesus, as Pastor Bill preached on Sunday morning, on the Sea of Galilee, and He hit the nail on the head, when He calmed, when Jesus calmed the sea, and the seas and the winds obeyed him, they knew then there was something different about this man. And that's when, again, as Pastor Bill said, this was in my notes too, so I'm going to continue on with it. When they, later on, after he taught them and they saw the miracles, he looked at them one day and he said, who do men say that I am? Remember that from Sunday morning? Who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say you're a prophet. And he looked at Peter, and he made it real personal. And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter looked at him and said, thou art the Christ, the anointed one. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Amen. So they realized who he was. Who do men say that I am? And they, they realized who he was at that particular time. Jesus lived 33 years approximately upon this earth. He was crucified and died on Calvary. And thank God he arose again on the third day. And he showed himself with infallible works to many, many people. But the disciples had gathered several times and Jesus had been with them. But there was one whose name was Thomas who was never at the meeting. He always missed. But Thomas was gathered with them in a home. And the Bible says that Thomas was in there, and they're talking about the Lord. And he said to them, they trying to convince him that Jesus is alive and Jesus is well. And Thomas says, I will not believe until I, not in scars, I won't believe until I put my fingers in the nail holes in his hands, to thrust my hand into his side where the spirit is at. When I can do that, then I'll believe. Jesus appeared in their midst, and he looked at Thomas. Now, a lot of people say Thomas doubted. He, get, he gets branded at that. I'd like to take a little different view of it. Maybe Thomas just wanted to be sure this time. Maybe doubting in a way, but not really doubting. I want to know for myself that he rose again. I want to know for myself that he's alive. I want to know for myself that he's my God. I want to know for myself that he's my Lord. Have you ever thought about that? He wanted to make it personal for himself, but he didn't believe. Well, all of a sudden, Jesus appears, walks right through the wall, and when he's there, he looks at Thomas, and he picks him out the first thing. He said, Thomas, come here. Come here. I want you to take your fingers and put it in the in, in the holes in my hands. I want you to thrust your hand into my side. Thomas, it's me. Don't be doubtful, but believe It is me. And Thomas said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, and he said to him, he said, Jesus, my Lord and my God. He knew who he was. Amen? He knew who he was. In the book of Acts, I'll use this Sunday morning. I'm going to use it again here. In the book of Acts, Peter was a changed man after Pentecost, along with many of the others. When he went to the gate called Beautiful, there was a lame man there from his birth. He was lame from birth. Peter and John, no doubt, saw this man many times. They went up to him, and he was asking alms. Peter looked him straight in the eye, pointed his finger at him, and said, "'Silver and gold have I none.'" But such as I have, give I to thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And the Bible says he took him by the hand and he rose up and he began to leap and praise God all the way down the street and even into the temple. Why? What happened here? It stirred up the city. It stirred up the high priest. The religious leaders got all disturbed and excited. What's going on? He's going to make the whole city in turmoil if we're not careful. So Annas and Cephas and Alexander and the high priest, they were all there. And they called him in. And they said, we want to talk to you, Peter, you boys. You're causing a commotion in the city. We want to know what's going on. This man that was slain from his mother's womb, I want to know. Here's the words. I want to know, by what power and by what name have you done this? What power and by what name have you done this? Peter looked at them and said, everybody, I want you to... I'm going to put it in my words, okay? I want you to everybody, I want you to know that by the name of Jesus... Whom you crucified, and he was raised from the dead, by him, Jesus, by Jesus, by his name, does this man stand here before you whole and healed by his name. And then he went on to say, And there is no other name, for there is none other name. Did you get that? I didn't say this. The Bible says that. There is none other name under heaven. That covers a lot. Given among men whereby we must be saved. Think of that powerful scripture. Neither is there salvation in any other. The word salvation means You can look it up, Webster. Deliverance and preservation from sin, sickness, and diseases. That's what Webster said, Daniel Webster. Deliverance and preservation. In other words, if God delivers you, he's certainly able to keep you. If God sets you free, he's able to keep you free. If God's able to save you, he's able to keep you saved. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we what? Must. Everybody say must. Whereby we must be saved. There is no other name to get saved in. If there was, I'd like to know what it is. There is no other name under heaven. Given among men whereby we must be saved. That's why. We sing about Jesus. That's why we pray about Jesus. That's why we love on Jesus. That's why we preach about Jesus. That's why we walk with Jesus. That's why we depend on Jesus. Because there is no other name, salvation in any other name. Without Him, there's nothing, folk. Without Him, there is none other. He is it. He's the one. He's the one who came, walked among us, and died for us, and rose again, and gave us eternal life. If he had not done that, we would all be lost tonight. It's because of him and his powerful name. Do you believe there's power in his name? There has to be. They wanted to know what, what name, what power. They didn't just say what power. They wanted to know what name. What name did you do this in? Why was that so important to them? Because they were preaching and teaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Apostle Paul said, I want to know nothing among you except one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. When Paul was on the road to Damascus and he got knocked off of his horse and, and that light shone about him, the first thing he wanted to know was what did he say? just like everybody else wanted to know, Lord, who are you? Who are you? I want to know who you are. I've never experienced anything like this. Who are you? What happened? He said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute, whom you have been after, who you've killed my people. I am Jesus. I'm here to help you. Man, what a powerful thing, event that took place in the life of the Apostle Paul that changed him. Folk, when you have an in- encounter with Jesus Christ, it makes a change in your life. I may cross up your theology, son. You don't have to agree with everything I say. i agree with everything you say. But there's more to knowing Jesus than signing a little card and saying you're saved. And it's quiet. I guess it's just one tonight. But there's more to it than that. There's an encounter with Jesus Christ. There's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's knowing Him in reality. It's knowing Him in a personal Savior. Years ago, a long time ago, when I was young, there was a lady I'll never forget. She stood up in a church. It's old time Pentecost. And she's in it was a large church. And she said, I'm so glad I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm glad he's my personal savior. I'm glad he's my personal God. And the pastor, which I did not agree with what he said, I wasn't preaching at the time. He said, Sister, he's not your personal God. He's not your personal savior. He's not your personal Lord. He's everybody's. You know, that just didn't cut like me. I thought, no, you know what? You have to know the Lord for yourself. You have to know Jesus for yourself. Not what your mother or your dad or your grandmother or your grandfather. You have to know who Jesus is for yourself. You have to have an encounter with Jesus yourself. I can tell you all about it. I can, I can witness to you, I can tell you about him, I can sing about him, I can do all those things. But unless you have an encounter with him yourself, you will never know him. Paul said, Paul, as much as he knew about him, he said, Lord, the more I know about <clears> him, <throat> the, the, the longer I walk with you, the less I know, it's, in a sense, that's what he said. He said, I want to know you in the fellowship of your suffering. Now we like Jesus when we're on the mountain, we're jumping up and everything's going great, don't we? Man. But Paul didn't look at it that way. He said, Lord, Jesus, I want to know you in the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know, I want to suffer, I want to know you in suffering. I want to know the good times. I want to know you're there in the good times. I want to know you're there in the bad times. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, He say, well, you're preaching to the choir. Maybe I am, and maybe I'm not. There's people that have sat in churches for years that did not know Jesus Christ personally. I know that for a fact. You could be here tonight. I have no idea. I'm just telling you, we have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because why? Because there's no salvation in any other. The disciples, when you looked at the disciples, he looked and said, oh, Are you going to go away? What did they say? They turned and said, Lord, who do we go to? You're the only one who has the words of eternal life. They knew. They knew, but they didn't know. Do did you know that? They knew, but they didn't know. They knew all the things that was happening. They knew By the signs that he was the Messiah, they knew that he was their coming king. But they really didn't recognize him after the resurrection. That's when they knew. That's when the power comes. And, folk, that's where it is in our lives. You don't know him until he resurrects your life. When he lifts your life up and he makes you different than you know. Jesus is the anointed one. Quit. Jesus is the anointed one. He is a prophet. He was a prophet. He was a priest. And he was a king. He was God incarnated. He was a messenger of salvation. He was the redeemer of sin. He is the God of salvation. He's the you see, in the Old Testament, when kings came on the throne, men anointed them. Men anointed them. Now, Jesus, the Bible says he was anointed of God. God anointed him. God ordained him. God sent him forth. Men didn't send him. He was a different type of king. He was the king from glory. He was the descendant of King David. The law came through Moses. But love and faith comes through Jesus Christ. Did you know that? The law comes through Moses. but Love and faith and redemption and salvation comes through Jesus Christ the anointed one. So the value of a name is important. The value of a name is important. My name is important to me. I'm very proud of my name. Rob you there. Know, would you come up and get sing something for us? A name is important. The, the name Jordan is not important to you. It's not. There we to my children out there but the majority of you it's not important the name Jordan that's important to me why? because that's my heritage that's where I came from that's my ancestors and we've traced them back to the 1600s and all the way back not to Jordan so much but on the other side all of them as I read as I read, my sister wrote a book. The one I passed away. She wrote a book on our genealogy, and it's difficult to understand. It's about that thick. She spent forty years. She wrote a book on it. I've read it three or four times. The more I read it, every time I read it, I read about somebody in there, and that was two hundred years ago, maybe three hundred years ago, and, and I, I start to feel kinship with them because I'm reading about them, and. Oh, Uncle Joe—not Joe Biden, by the way—but oh, Uncle Joe was in there, and he lived to be nearly a hundred years old, and tells all the stories about him. And as I as I read it, it's like the third or fourth time I read him in the book. I, hey, I know that guy. I know him. I, I know the. I know great 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 grandpa McGinnis I, I know him because the more I read the more I know about him the folk the more we read about our father our heavenly father the more we read about Jesus the more we read the book the more we get to know him read about him the more you read about him, the more you know him. Why? Because that's where all his history's at. That's where he came. People say, "Where did God come from?" It's always been. But read, read from Genesis. You'll start. You figure it out. Oh, oh, I understand him now. I understand now. I understand now. And you can write them down. And the more you read, the epistle, the epistles. Are they not the love letters? to the church huh any of you women have any old love letters sure you do my wife has a box of them from me, I don't know how she reads them but you see the more you read about somebody, the more you know about the name the better you know them and I want to know Jesus better, let's stand the right way. thank you for your time